0: There and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkevicius. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 94. This is Sunday, May 14th, 2017. And today's guest is uh, Frank Menton from Paris, France, and I'm so delighted to be able to talk to him uh, about his newest uh, work on harpsichord, especially uh, how it relates to to organists. Uh, Frank is an expert organist and harpsichordist as well. He teaches for many, many years uh, harpsichord and keyboard and various early keyboard techniques, and he's just finished uh, with publication of his 10th uh, volume of the Harpsichord Method. This is completely innovative method. And Frank was already on our podcast uh, a number of months ago when he was just starting his work. So I'm very, very delighted to be able to you know share with you those insights that... that uh, uh, Frank uh, has prepared for you and let's find out more about what he is doing with his harpsichord method. So let's welcome Frank uh, into the show. Welcome Frank, thank you so
1: much for joining us and you're welcome. Very generous. Thank you, thank you for asking me.
0: Yes, uh, it's so fascinating to, to, to meet a fellow organist uh, who is doing this generous work by sharing his own ideas and techniques into a publication, 10-volume 10, 10 publication for keyboard music lovers, for organists, for harpsichordists, basically for people who want to advance their early keyboard technique, right? And especially for harpsichord. So um, can you tell us for starters, uh, uh, Frank, how, how this idea began in, the, in your head? Why did you start this project of developing harpsichord method?
1: I started this method because I started teaching harpsichord back in 1992 and there was very little material available for beginners. There were a few methods that were on the market and many had, some had good ideas but they all started from the standpoint that the beginning pupil already had some basic musical knowledge and some basic keyboard technique. The first two or three pages were easy, but then afterward they jumped to difficult things. So I had to always add material, making photocopies, writing in my own exercises to, to fill these lacunas, these, these gaps. And so I, finished by, I ended up by writing my own method to make something coherent and easy, more easily accessible to people who've never heard of the word of harpsichord. I started teaching back in an area which was what you'd call an underprivileged area. It's called what we call an education action zone, where uh, uh, these these regions receive government subsidies to, to help uh, young people have more access to culture. And so how to bring this, the harpsichord and early music to people who've never heard of such a thing. So I, I, I did a lot of research concert, consulting everything available and I started to uh, write something coherent which would, would assume that the beginning pupil has no music knowledge, musical knowledge whatsoever. So we start from scratch. That was the beginning. That was back in 2000, about the year 2000. I started writing the method around 2001 and I started putting it on the computer with a software and then we started we launched it on the internet on 20 on 2013. so it's almost four years now that this method is on the internet so that was the reason that was the reason for all that
0: yes so you started this idea because nobody else was doing this right and
1: uh, that's correct
0: you felt the need uh, and people were probably even turning to you for help right uh, yes you wanted this material for teaching right and yes you could have detailed will systematic approach to teaching harpsichord anywhere right from grade one to grade 10 or level one to level 10 that's
1: when correct you yes That
0: probably so yes look at took initiative actually you didn't write uh, I'm so delighted that you didn't do this mistake. I'm about to tell you, um, you know, when you feel a need of something, yes, and you have to urge, let's say, harpsichord method, and you don't find this thing anywhere else in the world, you tend to contact famous harpsichordists, right? Yes. Yes. Hey, man, you should do this. You should. It's a wonderful opportunity to you. And no, no systematic approach to, to harpsichord today on the market. And people are dying to know more about harpsichord. And this is new uprising in, uh, in, uh, in early music, especially in harpsichord today in, in the recent de- de- decades. And uh, all those people, you know, famous harpsichordists, should do this right and you write those emails and messages to
1: them yes i already have contacted many all over the world
0: you frank you actually more than equipped to do this yourself right no maybe you had this initial fear of uh, might this work or not you don't
1: know but you you took you took the risk right I really don't understand. I'm sorry. No. I don't understand.
0: The risk of, of doing this
1: yourself, which is yes. so.
0: Horrible. You didn't wait for anybody else to do this. You
1: No, no. Put you
0: on the
1: yes. This That's correct.
0: Ex- extremely generous and uh, valuable work that you are doing. Thank you so well, much. Well, you're welcome. So, Frank, uh, what did you discover? Uh, from from from, uh, from those years that you uh, started uh, uh, creating this method, right from the beginning, and until now, many years get passed. What did you learn from, from those years during your interaction with the students? Perhaps with your students online, can you tell us a little bit
1: the story? What I learned was that how to how to how to simplify something that is very difficult. Mm-hmm. I tried to uh, put myself in the place of someone who has no musical culture and trying to, to explain what a, a plucked instrument is in comparison to what the culture that these people have. For example, people from the Middle East who have plucked string instruments. I tried to make some type of an association, some type of an image. That was one thing. Uh, When you uh, do research to prepare a method like this, you learn a lot of things. You find out what is not available and what is available. I have a lot of scores at home. I had to go to libraries. I I checked on the internet. There are a lot of things on the internet now. Uh, There is a lot of good documentation now on the internet, which is serious. And uh, I've learned quite a lot reading uh, uh, documentation by scholars comparing what they said and trying to make everything coherent and i tried to uh to uh collate to uh, to assemble a number of pieces that would help the student progress in a in a in a in a calm way without jumping from something easy to very difficult i tried to inspire to get inspiration for what modern piano methods do. There are many excellent modern piano methods. I used this approach, but not trying to, to, to make it, to transform it into a disguised modern piano method, not at all. It's just that uh, we're, we're in the 21st century. We don't learn how to play an instrument the way people learned how 400 years ago, you see. And so I had to, ins- I in- got inspiration from these excellent piano methods And applied it to the harpsichord. That was what I learned.
0: This is extremely valuable. And uh, as you're doing this work, uh, Frank, uh, you probably uh, also run into many challenges,
1: right? Yes. That's correct. You see, pardon me, uh, that was cut off. Your voice was cut off there.
0: Yes, I mean to ask you. What were the challenges
1: that you had to overcome
0: in writing this method, besides simplifying what is very
1: difficult? There were so many questions that I that came to my mind. The more you, you explore something, the more you find you don't know. So you have to look everywhere, everywhere, everywhere to find answers and contact people who, who seem to be specialists in that domain. So we learned a lot of things concerning touch, articulation, fingering, uh, musical terms, which are not very common. So I had to make this accessible to people. And there's an old saying, if you want to learn, you have to teach. So (laughs) the more you teach, you have to, you learn so much when you want to prepare something to teach. The more you explore something, the more you find out you don't know. It's a never-ending process.
0: It's absolutely true, Frank. If you yes. want to learn something, uh, we need to have uh, three types of people in our lives. People yes. of our level, who can yes. inspire and uh, push us further, right, because they are out of peers uh, at our level. Then we have to have mentors who are uh, higher than us, more advanced. And also we have to have like students who are less advanced than us, because we transmit our knowledge, and by transmitting our knowledge, we systematize it and uh, master it further to the, yes. to the new level, right?
1: Yes, so, that's very correct. Very good
0: work here. Wonderful. So, uh, Frank, I remember I first contacted you a, a few years ago when we were just starting with. Yes. Mark. Wow. Um, can, you, can you describe the progression in, in, in this method? How, how this method, 10-volume method, is, is structured so that people would have a good overview? Well,
1: the, the volume one starts from scratch. It yes. uh, assumes that the beginning pupil knows nothing. So we get to the basics of music. We learn the notes by playing, by starting with the begin, with the middle of the keyboard, with middle C and using contrary motion to learn the C major scale using historical fingerings. Once this is learned, we go to uh, the C position for both hands. We learn a uh, parallel and contrary motion and we use pieces, uh, the easiest pieces available for harpsichord, well, as, as soon as possible. The easiest I found are by Daniel Gottlob-Türk. They are the probably the easiest. They are pieces either for, for clavichord Porte, piano or harpsichord, they are all, this was all interchangeable back then. And uh, there are many excellent easy pieces, but even with those easy pieces, you have to have a basic knowledge of coordination. You have to know what an octave leap is. You have to have a certain amount of hand coordination. Otherwise you cannot start this from the first lessons, impossible. So I had to make up pieces which, which are more or less dialogues between two hands to develop the coordination, a type of gymnastics, if you wish. Okay, in a pleasant way. And though each volume represents corresponds to one year of study. So volume one is the first year of study. Volume 10 is the 10th year of study. So in between of that, you have a a gradual progression from the easiest material to the most difficult material available. Using technique, basso continuo, performance, practice, tips, and all of this, stylistic information, a little bit of music history, a little, uh, uh, very concise uh, composer's biographies, explanation of certain musical terms in a very concise way, explanation of certain historical periods, for example, uh, the North German school of French classicism, for example, or the early Italian Baroque. All of this explained in one or two pages, which could help the student uh, to whet his appetite to to want to, to yearn to learn more
0: Wonderful. so there you are what's next how do you progress to the next
1: level well, then, well the all 10 volumes are finished so <clears throat> the 10th level is the highest level and that's uh, the most difficult music available uh-huh. i am preparing an, a supplementary volume supplementary. which is cons- which is consecrated to material or repertoire for international harpsichord competitions so that this uh-huh. is the highest level of study and it is right. also good for your musical culture. It, this will be a continuation of the ten volumes, but the ten volumes are sufficient. This is a supplementary volume for those who wish to to prepare international competitions or even supplement to to enlarge the musical culture. And so I I I compared several uh, international competitions and I uh, try uh, assemble the repertoire that was used for that, made it into a coherent and pleasant manner, and. Uh, that's why the pupil have, will have a glimpse of what is asked, what is demanded for international competitions. Mm-hmm. And of course, we see sight-reading exercises also, sight-reading exercises, basso continuo, and all that stuff, technique also. Uh-huh.
0: It's so valuable. When you first started, Frank, uh, writing this method, did you think that you will write only 10 volumes or, or supplementary as well?
1: I wanted 10 volumes because I think 10 years with an instrument, you've covered a lot of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, there will, I would like to have supplements, but I don't want to say that uh, 10 volumes is not enough. No, you have plenty of things there. There are always, you can always, 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 uh, there are always a lot of other possibilities. This 11th volume, which will not be called volume 11, it will be called repertoire for international competitions. Right. Because the repertoire is used or has been used in international competitions. The technique uh, will correspond to that level of study also. The basal continual will be a continuation of what has already been covered in volumes, in, in the 10 volumes. However, once this 11th volume will be completed, which I hope will be completed because I just started on it, it will be very long. Very, because it, it's, uh, Each volume represents hours and hours and hours of work without talking about proofreading. And even when you proofread, there are so many errors that creep in there. And so we have to do, I do all of this. It takes hours and hours and hours. Once this uh, new volume will be completed, I would like to have a volume devoted exclusively to Basso Continuo because the Basso continuo that has been presented in these 10 volumes, plus the supplementary uh, 11th volume, uh, it does not include... Uh, the, a complete course of study, you can't because the repertoire has been favorized and the technique. The basso-continual exercises concern one or two pages. So that you can have, it's like what, what a student should have in a lesson. You should have repertoire, technique, sight reading, basso-continual and some improvisation. So uh, you can't have an uh, an in-depth basso-continual course on one page. You have to I would like to devote a whole volume, which will be an enormous volume, I guess. It will take all of the material already presented, plus newer material and more difficult material, which will be a continuation of what has already been discussed, starting from the easiest to the most difficult level of Basel continuum. This is is a a future project.
0: Wonderful. I'm sure it will take quite some time to assemble this future. Yes, yes, it will. It will. It looks like a very comprehensive approach, uh, right? Uh, You not only providing systematic 10 levels of 10 years of study, harpsichord uh, techniques and repertoire, but you also providing the supplement, right? For people who want to uh, go to the concept level and uh, international level. Yes. And besides that, you on top of that, working on continuum, continuous Yes. Yes, who, which would uh, empower harpsichordists and keyboardists to to really uh, uh, become a well-rounded musician. Right, that's correct.
1: correct? correct. That's, that's correct.
0: Music ensemble, so to say, right?
1: That's correct. As as some say, uh, the basso continuo should be taught at every level of study, and I agree with that. If it's op- at all possible, yes, I agree with that harpsichordists, organists should be able to do that, uh, luteinists, because everyone back then knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. And Even people just- were judged by how they improvised, you see, not just by playing what was on the written page, they were judged by how they were able to be creative, you see. There are documents of the ep- of the period that talk about this.
0: With continued uh, in those days, they only had uh, to write the basic, uh, Bottom line, the bass yes. part, yes, the numbers, digits, we yes, in, right? but then a lot of people today uh, only play and scores those intervals, right?
1: Those yes, and the bass,
0: which is actually kind of boring. It wasn't not at all how it was played back in 1860.
1: No, you have to be musical. It's important. You see, François Couperin says that the continual player should uh, spend just as amount of time preparing a, a, a continual accompaniment, just as much time as he would prepare a, a written piece. Perhaps right. a word. He says that, and I of course this is logical. Uh, it, it might you should be able to sight read uh, a basso continual uh, line, but it. Takes preparation. It takes a lot of reflection. Uh, You have to uh, calculate what what is the other what is the soloist doing, what is the 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 chamber music ensemble doing. You have to. It's it's it's. You never play the same thing twice, the same way twice. It's 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 an outline. A basso continuo is a schema. It's an outline. It gives you the chords. The the. But that's not only that. That's just a starting point. You have to add passing tones, ornaments. Uh, perhaps to imitate what the soloist is doing if, if, the, if it doesn't distract from the performance. It's an art, the art of accompanying from a bass from a figured bass. And this mm-hmm. all started as a, the Basso Continuo started in Italy uh, uh, by organists. Uh, it, was, it was like a cheat sheet, you know, where they thought they were going to make a mistake, where they wrote in figures, so they'd know what chords to play. That was the starting of Basso Continuo. In the early Baroque, the late Renaissance, early Baroque, that was the yes. beginning of basso continuo.
0: And then it developed in a in a new system, more comprehensive system, where you could yes. even accompany uh, very chromatic
1: recitatives from from uh, cantatas, let's say. Yes, yes. You have to take everything in context. Yes. You see, it all depends on the composer. Some were precise, some are not precise. And there are differences between the composers and between the, the, the national schools. So you have to take all of that into consideration. And you see, what, what is, you have to look at the solo line, you have to look at the bass line. And if there is an ensemble, uh, look at what the other instrumentalists are doing. There are often similarities between the basso-continual uh, figuring and what the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, chamber music ensemble or orchestra is doing there is this you're often many often most often doubling things but uh you have to com- what you have to think of what can you do to help the ensemble rhythmically and uh, to add a little spice to it that's the 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 uh the basso continuo gives an more gives a lot of energy to an ensemble it's a it's like a a continuing a continuous electric current basso continuo that means it's continuous like this procedure starts from the beginning to the end of a piece, basso continuo, thoroughbase, from what it goes throughout the piece. Mm-hmm. It's like an underlying electric current.
0: I have a question um, regarding uh, continuo as it relates to your method. Do yes. You, for example, in volume 10, which you just recently published. Do yes. you also include continual exercises at that level?
1: Oh, yes, of course. And, ex- and, and extracts from the pieces that are, and even pieces. Uh, so that it's just not theory, it's not just dumb exercises. It's, they are practical exercises used in the context in relation to the pieces that are given, see. If we're treating uh, the seventh chord, we're using the giving pieces that treat the seventh chord in the figuration.
0: So it's a well, well-rounded um, approach, right? Yes. Not only thinking about the uh, separate method on uh, continual playing, but you are also incorporating those uh, continual exercises and techniques. Yes. Into perhaps a method at any level. At any level, ten, nine, seven. Uh, yes. Um, yes. 5, all those uh, um, previous levels have continual.
1: It will, that same material will be used, except it will be all in one place. And in addition to all, well, it would add uh, other material, which would even be much more difficult. So it would be a complete, at least for 18th century basal continuum, because if you go into another, the uh, early Baroque, it's, it's somewhat different. So uh, what I'm treating basically is 18th century basso continuo, which is more accessible. It's more common practice related, right? Yes, because you have to have another volume concerned to to the earlier basso continuo, which was used at the time of Monteverdi and these people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's a slightly different approach. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Interesting. And do you do you teach people how to embellish those intervals and how to?
1: Yes, by using diminutions, diminutions which were the ancestors of of the Baroque ornamentation.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's really, uh, um, I think, uh, uh, a well-rounded approach because people will not only learn how to, uh, you know, read those chords uh, uh,
1: in the right hand, but... but They learn to be musical by using, keeping the common tones using contrary motion.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: when you, for
0: example, uh, encounter a uh, accompaniment music when you have to uh, play with other instruments at yes. performance. You can really think about fanatic development and to yes. duets
1: with the with the
0: soloist.
1: right Let's see. I think your voice was cut off a little bit. I didn't quite understand your question. I
0: uh, I just meant that whenever you play with. A soloist, right? Yes. You have the solo line, and you have the right hand part, the three lines. So it becomes, it becomes like like Johann Sebastian Bach would do. Whenever he wrote, we had duets. Here he improvised a trio. Whenever he had trio texture, he would add a quartet, right? Yes.
1: On the harpsichord. This, this demands a lot of practice, of course, a lot of experience. You, uh, it's always good to incorporate what the soloist does whenever it's possible. This is possible sometimes when you compare what's being done by the soloist. And would you compare with Bach, Bach has already has written certain realizations. And you always in, uh, get inspiration from what the composers did when they wrote everything down. So a continuous, uh, when they're smaller ensemble if it's a, if you're just accompanying a soloist or you're playing in a, a small ensemble you have more freedom but when you're playing with a larger orchestra you have a more percussive role where you where you reinforce the cadence you reinforce the rhythms things like you reinforce what the strings are doing and what the percussion is doing
0: your idea frank uh, relates to to the very interesting compositional technique in the Baroque times when composers uh, think, uh, thought in in a way, you know, the more voices do you have in a composition, the yes. they are independent, right? They, yes, they, they are rhythmical uh, and form chords. Uh, and the thinner texture that you have, two, three voices, then each part is so uh, independent and virtuoso. Yes. It has uh, beautiful flourishes because you have to fill in the missing chords a lot. Yes,
1: yes, that's correct. It's always, it's a a good opportunity to to use your imagination. You just don't play chords. You have to do something with it. It's, Mm -hmm. Alfred Hitchcock once said, music making does it mean filming people talking? See, that's what Alfred Hitchcock did. Well, playing continue doesn't mean playing chords, just playing chords. You've got to do something with it. Yeah.
0: And uh,
1: in pre- You have to be tuneful. You have to be tuneful.
0: Yes. See? In previous days, Matteson, remember Matteson, Johann, Johann Matteson, who wrote Grosse General Baschule and Kleine General Baschule, right? Those two methods of playing continuo. Uh, in German, in Germany, uh, the yes. Gro- general Baschule treated very improvisatory approach, uh, right, uh, to, to general Bas and or continue. Yes. But the Schule is like a more of a preparation with chords, right? It's Yes. Like a rudimentary. That's
1: correct. Well, I've taken uh, my exercises from various historical methods and I uh, try to make everything as progressive as possible.
0: Wonderful. Uh, Frank, it's, you know, another thing that interests me is your um, contacts with real life situations, with real students. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know you are providing uh, uh, your methods online, yes? People can go to your website. Yes. Yes. And volumes are available
1: there. So do you have any feedback from, from your own? A lot. We get a lot. We get a lot of uh, nice comments from all over the world. People saying that they've never seen anything like this and that, uh, that ever since they've been using this method they've been progressing because everything is, is, very, is well organized and structured. See? It helps the student progress. One one uh, colleague told me uh, from Italy that she's never seen anything like this. And this, I'm so very happy because this is the goal, is to make this instrument more accessible and, and, and material more readily accessible, especially in places where sometimes printed scores are difficult to obtain, especially the most expensive ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you thought, uh, Frank, about um doing, uh, expanding your methods into courses, actually, into, like, video courses or, or something something that, that a person could have more than uh, printed
1: out music in the, on the sheet, right? I would like to do that. Uh, I've been thinking about it, but I haven't really, really uh, organized anything like that for the, for the moment anyway. Not right now. I'd like to in the future, Perhaps. But yes. it, it take a lot of log is a, a problem of logistics. It's a problem of organizing all of that. Mm-hmm. But I would like to do that. It is a good idea.
0: Extremely valuable, right? Because yes. providing method books, right? People yes. like self-study courses. Uh, uh, people uh, get this uh, this resource, right? And then yes. on uh, what to do with that entity they don't perhaps know if they're playing correctly or incorrectly.
1: Yes, I understand, I understand. Your,
0: your coaching, maybe, coaching... Yes, is yes. A way to facilitate advancement of the student by providing feedback and uh, your own ideas in, uh, in, uh, in other forms, in other mediums than yes. Tech.
1: That is a good idea. I will consider that in the future, but it's a question of organization. Mm -hmm.
0: So, Frank, of course, by this point, uh, our listeners are curious about uh, finding more about your work and uh, yourself. So, can you give our listeners a link to your website, perhaps, so they could click and visit your
1: work online? Ah uh, they could contact me by the website, of course you had there is a a message box there where, they, where I can be contacted. There is no problem with that i'd be happy to uh answer questions what's the address the address it's the uh, where the method is is presented it's uh, in small letters harpsichord dash method dot com Mm-hmm. That is just... and all in in small letters harpsichord-method.com that's and as soon as you click on that you come ready onto the site with a presentation of the material uh, a picture of me a, a short biography and a, a presentation of each volume mm-hmm. and there at the bottom if you scroll down there are comments you can leave comments there's a message box there i can be contacted that way
0: Excellent. So I'm sure I will include um, this link into the description of our conversation. Well, so thank that you. Can and visit site Online and find out more about the uh, beautiful work you pro- pro- producing. Music. It's very generous work. Um, too, not too many people are doing it about in musical form. Okay, yes. So what you're doing is very, very valuable. Thank you so much, Frank. You're welcome. Um, What would be number one thing you wish you knew when you first started uh, teaching
1: harpsichord? Uh, Could you repeat the question, please? Yes.
0: So, Frank, uh, what would be number one thing you wish you knew when you first started uh,
1: teaching harpsichord? The number one thing I wished to do when I started teaching harpsichord. Is that what you meant? One thing you wish you knew. What, What did I wish I knew? Yes. When I first started teaching harpsichord, I wished I would have known more back then because I came to the harpsichord very late in life. I started with the modern piano when I was eight years old. I started the organ seriously when I was 16 years old and the harpsichord when I was 26 years old. So, but there were a lot of similarities between the between the organ and the harpsichord, of course. And the harpsichord opened up my eyes for early music concerning touch and the approach and everything, because all of those early composers, at least most of them, were harpsichordists and organists at the same time. So teaching harpsichord, you know, when I first started, started teaching harpsichord, I wasn't even thinking of teaching harpsichord. I started out as a a piano accompanist, to a, a, a voice class in a conservatory. Uh, the, dean of the, the dean of the conservatory called me into his office and I was wondering, but why does he want me? Or what did I do wrong? I said, no, no, relax, relax, relax. He asked me questions. He says, do you know how to tune a harpsichord? I says, I know how to tune a spinet harpsichord. I says, I can repair a, a, a broken quill. He asked me, "Can you teach harpsichord?" I said yes, because he saw on my CV that I had studied harpsichord with you Trepers. Oh, he read my 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 uh, uh, resume. He asked me, "Would you like to teach harpsichord here?" Because the former harpsichord teacher had gone. I said, "Okay, all right." So that was back in 1992, and so that's how I started. And so ever since that time, I started getting documentation and doing everything to, to, to make up for the lost time. And I learned so much while teaching, because I've learned, there is so much material available, especially for the, for early music, uh, a lot of uh, basso continuo material, but to make it accessible to the general public, that's another story, that was my role, how to make the harpsichord available to the general public. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first. What was my first thought when I started teaching harpsichord? I wished I'd have known much more when I started teaching. So I had to make up for all the lost time. Mm-hmm. Which goes to show you that when you start teaching, you find out how much you learn.
0: Yes, how much to learn there is. It's very uh, um, broad uh, subject. It's like an entire instrument, right? Harpsichord. Yes. Yes. There were piano methods. There were organ methods, right? Yes, but of course. Harpsichord method available.
1: So there were some, but they all. They back then people started with another keyboard instrument first. You see, mm-hmm. uh, but I said no. We're going to. We're, is this your? These are children. We're going to. Uh, start them directly with the harpsichord. If possible, it's good to start with the clavichord, but not many places have a clavichord. It all depends on what country you live in, all depends on the conservatory. There, I have some colleagues who teach clavichord, but there are not many, or even early piano, uh, piano, which is, but uh, it, it's good to start out with the clavichord first because of its sensitivity. But in most cases, we can't do it because it's an ideal situation. Uh, so we should start directly with the harpsichord. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Frank, for You're today. welcome. You're welcome, Vidas. So,
0: uh, I hope you will continue to create uh, your supplement and your continual method uh, on top of that. And let me know
1: when it's ready. I certainly will. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: Students will visit your site
1: at uh, herpsicord-method.com. That's, that's right. I'd just like to say that this method is being used in 27 countries. Uh, since it's launched, we, we launched the method in t- 2013, and up to now, this method is being used in 27 countries, covering, Europe, covering Europe, North America, South America, and Oceania. Oceania. Wow. So I'm very, very happy. I'm very happy. I, I hope you will get students from Africa as well. Oh, I, would, I would love to. I'd love to. Wonderful. Thank you so Thank much. You very much. Have a good day.
0: Bye. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you online really soon.